Father, thank you for the cool weather. Thank you for the breeze today. Thank you for the rain that we got yesterday. Thank you for the way you care for us. And thank you most of all for sending Jesus Christ to live a perfect life and die as our substitute in our place. And we, we praise you for that. Holy Spirit, thank you that you live inside of your people. And we want to know and experience more of you. And we ask that would happen today. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, we are in our third week of a series called For Our Advantage, and the series is an overview of the person and work of God, the Holy Spirit. And we got our title from the series based on this passage from John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. For if I do not go away, the helper another name for the Holy Spirit or descriptor for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So it is for our advantage that Jesus ascended to the Father so that we, as believers in Jesus, could have the Holy Spirit. So during this series, we're going to, we're, we're answering three main questions. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? And how do we seek him? How do we pursue him in a greater way? Today and next week, the, the primary area of focus is going to be thinking about the Holy Spirit's role in, in helping us change and grow. Helping us as Christians to be different than we are today. And the Holy Spirit makes us, as we respond to him, he makes us different. He empowers us to change, and to grow. If you've ever thought about this, this is one of the things that makes Christianity very unique. You could say this is uniquely Christian, that God the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and changes us from the inside out. So it's not just trying to change from the outside, but there's actually real transformation that happens from the inside out. Whether you've just trusted in Jesus, or you've been walking with Jesus for a really long time, there are areas to grow and change, and God the Holy Spirit will empower and transform us. In the book of Ezekiel, we get this promise of the new covenant, covenant that is just incredible. Uh, listen to this, Ezekiel 36, verse 26. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. See, the, the promise of the new covenant is there is real power and a new ability to change and grow. I want you to think about it this way. Do you ever feel stuck in certain patterns of behavior? Maybe it's your thought life. Maybe it's the words and actions that, that come out of your mouth. And maybe it's with things that you do. And maybe you are just at a point where you think, I don't know if real change is actually possible. I don't know if I can actually make progress in this area. And if it was a war, you would ha have your little white flag of surrender. Like, I'm just done. I, I can't make progress. Maybe for some of you, when you first trusted in Christ, you felt like, Everything was changing, and you were growing and, and changing, and people, total strangers, or people you went to high school with would say things like, 
wow, you are really different. But now you feel like you, you plateaued. Or maybe you don't even feel like you plateaued, but you feel like you're regressing. You're going backwards in certain actions and thoughts and patterns of behavior. What I want to convince you of from God's word today and next week is that real change is not only possible, it is God's will for you if you have trusted in Jesus. So, so consider these questions and give your honest answer. Don't say it out loud, but in your mind. Do you believe that real change is possible for you? That you can really change? Do you believe that you can really grow spiritually? Or do you think it's just inevitable? You have to keep giving in to the same kinds of sins. Let's get a little more specific. Must you always, for the rest of your life, be fearful? Must you always, for the rest of your life, be consumed by what other people think about you? Must you always, for the rest of your life, have a fuse that's about a millimeter long, that you're just quick to get angry? Is that inevitable for you? Must you always be tempted to exaggerate and lie? Must you always be enslaved to alcohol and other drugs? Is there, is there real power to change even in the throes of addiction? Must you always be enslaved to lust and all that goes with it? Can there be real freedom? Must you always love hearing and spreading gossip about others? Is real freedom possible? Not only possible, is it what God desires for you and will enable you to walk in? See, when Jesus saved us, he saved us from the penalty of sin. So we deserve the wrath of God for the wrongs, the sins that we have committed against him. And when Jesus hung and bled and died on the cross, he absorbed that penalty. And then we were credited with his perfect righteousness. That covers you and I if you have trusted in Jesus. Nothing can take that away. No matter if you never grow an ounce or an inch, if you are a believer in Jesus, you are covered with his perfect righteousness. But another thing that happened because Jesus set us free, he says free from the power of sin as well. So not just the penalty, but the power. I remember when I was 19, I first trusted in Jesus. One of my immediate surprises was that I didn't have to do the sins that I had done before. There was actually ability to not do them any longer. It was a wonderful surprise. And that is true for you if you know Jesus personally. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. But thanks be to God that though you who were once slaves of sin, sin was your master. Your passions and desires ruled you. But in the past for a believer, you were once slaves of sin and have become obedient from the heart being changed from the inside out to the standard of teaching which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, the power and penalty, and have become slaves of righteousness. That is a true reality for you if you are in Jesus Christ. One, one thing that you might not think of when it comes to growing and changing, 
one very important first step is actually believing that this is true, that Romans 6 is actually true for you. What we're going to do this morning is just walk through part of Romans 8, verse 9 through 17, and specifically look at the Holy Spirit's role in helping us grow and change. First point, the Holy Spirit gives spiritual life. God the Holy Spirit is the one who gives spiritual life. Verse 9 of Romans 8. You, however, are not of the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So the Bible teaches that every human being is born with sin, with a sinful nature. And consequently, we are enslaved to that sinful nature until we're set free by Jesus himself. Now God the Holy Spirit is the one who makes us alive as we learned last week and we see in this passage. So I want you to think about this. So let's say you're prone to anger or you're prone to worry, or you're prone to fear. And you just feel like it has a grip on you. The next time you're tempted, I want you to, to, to tell yourself verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. So, if you are tempted to anger, fear, lust, whatever it would be, No, God's Spirit lives in me as a believer in Jesus Christ. There is now power to change, to turn, to not give in to the things that I've often given in to, regardless of how I feel in that moment. Regardless of if you, let's say anger is one of your, your areas. You feel it boiling. You feel like a volcano. And you feel like, oh, it just... Got to let it erupt and spew over everybody once again. No, you're no longer of the flesh if you are in Jesus. You're no longer the one who has to obey those impulses and desires. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, there could be some of you watching or in the room that you know a lot of the facts of Christianity, but if you're honest, you have never trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation. You've never turned from your sins and and put your whole belief and trust in what Jesus has done. And so if you're not a Christian, the Spirit of God doesn't yet dwell in you. But the good news for you is you are alive and well. And God would say to you, everyone, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord, will be saved. So that's you call out to the Lord. But for the Christian who's tempted, whatever that area is, and maybe you have multiple areas, most likely you have one or two certain categories that are more tempting than others, just the way God seems to to make us all. Look at verse 10 again. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, 
The spirit of life. The spirit is life because of righteousness. Now listen to verse 11. This is incredible. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The spirit, the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus himself from the dead lives inside of you, dwells in you. You are the dwelling place for God, the Holy Spirit. So no matter how tempted you feel, there's real power. And real growth can actually happen. When we, when we prepare our sermons, if you're newer to the church, you might not know how we do this, but we prepare our sermons, and whoever's preaching sends it out to uh, five different guys right now. So I send it out to the elders, Kay McCoy, our elder candidate, and Sean McGochran, um, our student ministries director. And so get a lot of feedback at times, and, and, and just we're trying to be able to do the best we can and give you guys the clearest, most accurate, uh, compelling messages that we can humanly do, and then we beg God for help. So that's how we do it. So at times I'll click on, and uh, I usually send out my notes Saturday morning, and then throughout Saturday you get different things chiming in. And then um, Sunday morning, some more things pop in. And usually they're comments or quotes, like maybe use this verse, not that verse. Maybe do this, not that. Um, just good, helpful suggestions. Well, one of the things I had in my notes for this week, to illustrate, I want you to get how big of a deal it is for God's Holy Spirit to come in you. So I was trying to think, what would it be like? I thought it could be like a smart car with a jet engine. Like that's kind of what we're like as Christians. We, we don't look impressive on the outside. But God's Spirit comes inside of us and brings us to life. So then I looked at my notes this morning, and wouldn't you know, there was a picture, hopefully it's up here, of a smart car with a jet engine or some kind of rocket engine. So it's a very unimpressive car. Be really fun to drive now. Um, but it's infused with something that does that. So it gives real power. That's what you're like if God's Spirit dwells in you. You have a power that you did not originally have. When that smart car came out of the factory, I don't think it could do that. Same with us. When we were born, we were born with a nature that rebelled against God. But then that moment where we were made alive, God's Spirit came inside of us. And now there's life. I mean, another illustration, we don't have a picture of this. Nobody put it in my notes, but um, you can picture a farmhouse, like an old farmhouse that was built in, let's say, 1903, but totally renovated, gutted down to the studs, and then rebuilt from the, the inside out. Well, that's what you're like. God's Spirit is in you, and room by room, He's rebuilding you. And he's changing you. He's conforming you into the image of Christ. And here's the incredible thing. Because God's Spirit gives life, you can experience joy, peace, satisfaction in the Lord even in the worst of days or the worst of months or the worst of years because God is doing something on the inside of you that circumstances can't ultimately get at. 
if you are pursuing the Lord. I want to give you a biblical case study. So this is something from the book of Acts. We're going to look at Paul and Silas. They, when, we, when we enter the scene, they have been wrongly imprisoned for preaching. They have been beaten almost to a pulp. They, they've been bloodied and beaten. And now they're in jail. And I want you to just think about how they are responding. Have the image of the smart car, because something supernatural is going to happen inside of them, and it's going to come out of their mouth. Uh, verse 22. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off of them, gave them orders to be beaten with rods. So they're, you know, they're just receiving blows for preaching Jesus. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received his order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet with stalks. So their, their feet are bound together. So they're being not just treated as criminals, but the worst of criminals. And they actually haven't committed a crime. They're in great physical pain. They had every reason to rage against somebody if anger was their besetting sin because they're being falsely accused, they're thrown in prison for something they did not do, and there they are, beaten and bloodied, and they can't even really move their feet. It's all bound together. Which is why verse 25 is so shocking. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So they were communing with God. They weren't cursing God. They weren't hating God. They weren't waving their fists at God. They were praying to God, and they were praising God. They were singing songs to the Lord. Most likely about His goodness, His faithfulness, His mercy, His love, His character. That's what they were singing about. And listen to this. And the prisoners were listening to them. It got their attention. See, if God's Holy Spirit dwells in you, you can experience these supernatural times where, humanly speaking, you may be bitter, angry, disillusioned, discouraged, slander all kinds of people. Instead, they went upward and they found their source of joy and satisfaction in the Lord, and it had an impact on others. I mean, think about that smart car for a moment. If, and I'm not advocating car racing, but if you were to race a car, and somebody pulls up to the line in that little car and beats you in the car race, and let's say you have a decent car, well, you're going to notice that. You're going to remember that. Well, that, that was different than it appeared. That was unusually surprising. Well, if you are able to worship the Lord, to trust Him, to praise Him, when things get challenging in your life, it has an impact on others. And because God's Spirit dwells in you, you can actually do this by the grace of God over time. You will grow. You may have heard this illustration. I, I think it came from an organization called CCEF and one of their um, founding teachers, Dr. Pallison, 
who has since gone to be with the Lord. I'm not positive about that. But he described the, the growth process um, as a Christian, what, what theologians call sanctification, being slowly changed and transformed into God's image over time. He said it's kind of like this. Imagine um, you're the, a yo-yo. So I'm not insulting you, but for the illustration, you're a yo-yo, and you're going up and down. And it's like somebody has a yo-yo that, that goes up and down. So you have your, your good days, and then you have your really bad days. And you have your good days, and then you have your really bad days. And it just kind of keeps going up and down. But it's like somebody has a yo-yo, and they're walking up a stairs. So as you're going up, and you're going down, and you're going up, and you're going down, you're progressively growing. You're going upward. Even in your low days, if you look back over time, wow, I have grown and I have changed by the grace of God. See, ultimately, we are putting our hope in God's Spirit as we respond to Him to change and to grow. So, when we are tempted, when you and I are tempted to sin, that may happen on the way out of this door today. It may happen right now. What I want you to remember is you've been set free from the power of sin. Which brings us to the second point. The Holy Spirit empowers us to put to death the deeds of the flesh. The Holy Spirit gives us power to put to death the deeds of the of the flesh. The deeds of the flesh is just another way to say our sinful nature, and we can just use the biblical categories. Anger, fear, worry, lust, slander, whatever you're thinking of. God the Holy Spirit will empower us to put those to death. Romans 8.12 says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, but not to the flesh. You no longer have to listen or obey those cravings and desires and impulses to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But if by the Spirit, by God's Holy Spirit in you, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You will experience freedom. You will experience the joy that comes with freedom. I mean, you think about it this way. When we are tempted to sin and we just indulge it, say anger, you just, you just go for it and you just let someone have it. When the moment, in that brief moment, that may actually feel good. Like, oh, that felt kind of good. And then the aftermath of that doesn't feel good at all as you have consequences because of that. See, the Bible says a fool gives full vent to his anger. So the idea of venting our anger, or someone saying, I just want to vent, is the exact opposite of what Proverbs says a wise follower of God should be doing. And so it's actually possible, as that volcanic eruption is about to happen, God, the, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. Would you settle this? Would you show me why I'm, why I'm getting so angry, why I'm craving these things, or why I'm so um, gripped by fear right now? Help me. And he will. Because you are no longer obligated to obey those impulses and desires. So part of this is just really believing that you don't have to give in any longer. 
Because that is what the Bible teaches in a variety of places in the New Testament. You are no longer a slave. You're no longer a prisoner. So if you have an image of, let's say, before you met Christ, you, you were shackled. You had handcuffs on your, your arms and your feet, and you were in a prison cell. And then when you trusted in Christ, the shackles, the handcuffs come off of your hands and your feet. The prison door opens and you can walk out and you are free. But when we're tempted to sin and when we sin, what it's like is going back into the prison cell that the door was already open for. And then we think, oh, what are these things? They look fun. Why don't I put the, the handcuffs back on? I put them back on my arms like jewelry and put them back on my feet. And now you feel like you are enslaved again. But the reality is, if you are a Christian, you can move your arms apart and bust right out of those. You can move your feet and kick those right off, and you can walk right out of the prison cell because you have been set free. See, we must live by the Spirit and put to death the deeds of the flesh. How do, we, how do we live by the Spirit? Well, a couple ways we do this is by feeding our souls with God's Word, primarily by reading and praying. Lord, would you please speak to me through your Word? So Bible reading isn't something just to, to um, say that you did for the day or something that God wants you to do so that you're accepted by Him. No, you are accepted in Jesus but God's primary way to speak to us is through his word. But we can also feed our souls by praying, by communing with him. Another really important way to do that, the, the, Paul teaches to, to, to pray without ceasing. So in other words, to be throughout your day, whether you're at work or at home or whatever you're doing, you can talk to the Lord, you can call out to the Lord. I like to, to run and, and ride bikes and, and exercise. Um, and most of my exercises are things that take a long period of time and, and are relatively slow. So it's a great time to pray and to talk to the Lord. You pursue the Lord. You feed your soul by singing like we did this morning. But you can do that at home. You can do that in your car. You can worship the Lord wherever you are through singing. We do it through fellowship by being with one another and asking one another to pray for you. Ask someone, if you are struggling with something, would you please pray for me? Would you please help me? Would you please point me to the Lord? That's always we can grow and that sin will lose its grip on us. But I'm not sure if you're convinced yet. So I want to give you an example of, we're going to pick on the category of fear, which is a real and powerful temptation for many, many Christians. I want to start with the negative. How to feed fear, okay? So if you are a fearful person, I'm not, not picking on you. I really want to help you. How to feed fear. Okay, so let's say you want to grow in being more enslaved to fear than you already are. So we're going to get the handcuffs. We're going to put them back on. We're going to put them on our feet, hands. We're going to get into the prison cell, and this is how we're going to do it. Spend every waking hour of your free time Reading, studying, and meditating. Let's say it's a sickness 
on the particular ailment. So let's say the, the presenting issue for fear is somebody is sick. Maybe it's you, maybe it's a family member. So you, if you want to grow in feeding this fear, spend all your time, day and night, reading, watching videos, uh, scouring the internet for all the advice you can find on a particular ailment. The other thing you need to do to feed fear, disregard what all professional opinions of doctors say. You know better, right? You know better. I'm obviously being sarcastic. And then confidently self-diagnose the condition. But when you do that, make sure you pick the very worst option. Okay, so don't just pick the one that's in the ballpark, but pick the one that is the worst. Not only that, but then get on Facebook and find a group chat with people that have suffered in the worst case scenario and read every account that you can find, day or night. Lock in on the worst. And particularly do that with a group that, that have no hope in the Lord. Spend hours reading horror stories from total strangers. After a day of doing that, then try to go to sleep. As you lie in your bed, all these things that you read and thought about will be flooding your mind. Let's say you do manage to fall asleep. It actually happened. As soon as you wake up in the morning and the sun is up, grab your phone, don't get out of bed, and start the whole process all over again. If you do that over and over again, the grip of fear will grow. See, we don't solve fear by getting more knowledge of the particular thing that we fear, ultimately. We will grow and be free from fear as we grow in our faith. So that was a negative of kind of what not to do. Here's how to feed faith. Let's say it's the same issue. And it's serious. Let's say it's a really serious health problem. There's a legitimate problem. Spend time learning about it. Not bad to learn. You want to be educated. Seek professional help. Talk to others. Get second opinions if it's really serious. But then also, guard your heart. Talk to your Christian friends. And ask them. Bring them into it. Not just the, the particular issue but all the temptations that surround the issue, the fears, the worries, the anxieties. Ask them to help you, to pray with you, to help you to guard your heart and mind. Meditate on God's Word. Spend far more time thinking about who the Bible says God is and who the Bible says you are in Christ. See, one of the beauties of the Bible is it speaks to all of these things. And as you do that over time, here's what you'll learn. You'll be far more aware of God's unconditional, inseparable love towards you. Nothing can separate me from the love of God, the Bible says. You'll be very aware that God is with you and that this suffering that you're experiencing is a result of living in a fallen and broken world. You'll be reminded and experience the mercy of the Lord. You'll experience the presence of the Lord, the nearness of the Lord. You know the Bible says He is near to the brokenhearted. He is tender. He is kind. 
You move towards Him. See, God the Holy Spirit dwells in you. He's a comforter. He's a helper. You know that you have eternal life if you are in Christ. We do not have to fear death. This is something that also is uniquely Christian. The way has been opened wide for us because of Jesus. Maybe you read certain parts of the Bible and you're, you're reminded God is, is totally in control and trustworthy. See, you want to dive into these things because there's a way to grow in feeding your faith and coming out the other side of this trial, having deepened and matured in your appreciation and your awareness of the knowledge of the Lord. And there's a way to just go the other way. So bring others into these struggles. These struggles are real. We all have them in varying degrees. It could be other areas of your life as well. But I think you get the point. What you feed will grow. If you feed your faith, it will grow. If you feed your sin, it will inevitably grow. Listen to this promise. This is from Romans 8 at the end. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is your reality if you are in Christ. Even your sin cannot separate you from the love of God. He will lovingly discipline you. He will lovingly correct. And he will lovingly show you his power, his mercy, and his love to transform you. Our youth ministry here at the church is called Transform. And it's based on Romans 12. This is what the Apostle Paul says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, sisters, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. See, real transformation is possible for you. Even if you have been stuck in a certain area of sin as a Christian for decades. Do not believe the lie that you cannot change, that God cannot work in you. And as you do so, here's what I want you to remember. Remember that when you go to the Lord, you are not going as an ex-con who got his record cleared. You're not going as someone who had been pardoned by the governor of our state or the President of the United States. You don't just have a pardon on your record that just says cleared, which for somebody who has a criminal record, that's, that can be a really encouraging thing. But you are going to the Lord as a liberated, set-free son or daughter. You're not going as someone who just had your record stamped and cleared. No, you're going to someone who has been adopted into God's family, which is the last thing we're going to think about for a few minutes. 
Point number three, the Holy Spirit empowers us to live as liberated sons and daughters. You are God's son or daughter if you are in Christ. You are family. You have been adopted by him. He will not let you go. He delights in you. He sings over you, as Zephaniah says. Listen to what Paul says. In, in Romans 8, verse 14 through 17. For we, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, are sons of God. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you are a son or daughter of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Dad. And when you cry, Dad, He hears your cry. He hears your call. He knows the inner turmoil that you have experienced and are experiencing. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Think about that. You are joint heirs with Christ. So if you have brothers and sisters and you are receiving an inheritance, that's a, that's a good thing. That, that can be a real blessing. But for Christians, we are joint heirs and the giver is God the Father. And our brother, our joint heir, the one who gets the equal share with us, is no one other than God Himself, God the Son, Jesus Christ. See, that position is so important to remember. A lot of times we want to keep thinking about, what do I need to do to change? How can I grow? What, what should I stop doing? What should I start doing? All those things can be really good and useful. But I think we miss the significance of knowing if you, when you pray, you are praying to your Father who has ears for you, has a heart for you, has shed His Son's blood for you. He is so interested in helping you. You cry out to him, Abba, Father, Dad, help. I need help to change and grow. And he will help you. See, the Holy Spirit leads us, we learn in verse 14. How does he lead us? He leads us in several ways. He primarily leads us through his word, through his revealed word, as the Spirit illuminates and and helps us to understand that. But the Holy Spirit also just guides and speaks to us subjectively at times. And we, we check that with the Bible. So we don't lead with that. We check that with the Bible. But God's Spirit speaks to us. He guides us. He leads us. If you're, if you're a little nervous about that idea, write down Acts 20, 22, and you'll see how God subjectively spoke to the Apostle Paul at times. Um, if you read the book of Acts, you'll see a number of accounts. But I just read, happened to read Acts twenty twenty two in my Bible reading this morning. Um, the Holy Spirit speaks. He guides. He leads. And we follow. He will never lead us contrary to God's Word. So that's how we know if it's the Spirit or not. But He leads us. The Holy Spirit leads us to understand who God is gives us a greater awareness of his love and his care. One of our prayers as we sing to the Lord is that you would all 
in a deeper way, experience the truths of the songs that we sing. That they would penetrate your hearts and your minds in a way that is more than just singing rote words. That they would, they would really be part of the ingredient that brings change and joy and transformation. The Holy Spirit leads us to understand who God is, who we are, and who we are in Christ. And He assures us of our adoption. If you are a Christian and you've turned from your sins, you've trusted in Jesus, throw out the idea that God doesn't love you, that He doesn't want to hear from you, that He wants little or nothing to do with you. That is not true. That is not true. God deeply loves you and cares for you. And one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to assure you of your position as a son or a daughter. Let's have the band come up. And as they come up, I want to just remind us of this verse from Ezekiel. And this is true of you when when God's Spirit came inside of you. It says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. God wants to continue to transform you from the inside out. After we sing this final song, we're going to have the prayer team come up. We would love to pray for any one of you. You just feel like, I need the Lord to help me in this area. It could be big or it could be small. It could be just a tight grip or you could be like, I just want to make more progress. I would encourage you to come up at the end of this song. So let's all stand and I'm going to pray and then they're going to lead us in a song. Father, thank you that you love us Thank you that we're your kids if we've trusted in Jesus. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would assure your sons and daughters in this room or watching online of your care for them, your love for them, your nearness to them. And Lord, we pray that you would bring increased freedom in the lives of everybody who's hearing your word this morning. There would be peace and a joy and transformation And we will give you all the glory and praise for that. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.